excited. Today, we are bringing back a past guest and friend, Josh. You might remember him. Uh, we did the two episodes, the year recap and then like the best of. It was whatever. It was right around the first of the year. <laughs> yeah. A lot of the people that we're talking about in this season have finished their mini retirements. You know, they have some space in the rear view mirror. So they have kind of that in retrospective perspective. But Josh just started your retirement, mini retirement. Was it like last week? Yeah, um, we're recording one week after my last day at work. One week. So it's like fresh into it, which is so exciting. And kind of fresh into like, the motivations, but also the challenges of getting here. And for context, I'm really excited too, because Josh was at the first Adventures to Fi retreat, and there was lots of talk about this then, and it's so awesome to see uh, things coming to fruition, which is amazing. Absolutely. You know, so this is something that was in the works when we had the Adventures to Fi in October of 2019. And I even had a different job offer that I was contemplating, and nothing really came of that. And then COVID happened, and I just clung to that job and that steady paycheck and good benefits for the past year or so. But as you know, we've kind of come out of the worst of the coronavirus lockdowns and, and all the protocols and everything like that. The market recovered. The housing market didn't tank like had happened in 2008. And so I definitely felt a lot more comfort this time around than the Great Recession. Let's chat about if it was at the event, Adventures to Fi in 2019 or since then, like what was that motivation or that vision for taking this time off? Sure. So I think the biggest push was that just feeling very burnt out in my job. Yeah. I was working in a local government in the building department. We were dealing with basically twice as much volume permits, uh, single family home permits than we were even three years ago when I started this job. That's a big increase, and we didn't really increase our staff. And so just kind of feeling the weight of that every day. Plus, there's a lot more content out there now in the personal finance and fire space about taking these mini retirements and making it more about the journey than the destination. And so that got me thinking a lot more along the lines of, hey, I don't have to push hard and just get to this imaginary finish line. You know, it's just another step along the way. Yeah, I think hopefully there's a bigger shift, especially when we think about early retirement, it feels very definite, like very, okay, now we're finishing and we have to make sure we have a plan that works for the next 30 years, which is scary and intimidating. Do you kind of view this mini retirement as kind of like a soft launch or kind of a trial run of what the second phase of life might look like? Yes, that. And and as well as I've been telling some people when they ask, I say, I'm just going to test drive retirement and see how that works. It's one thing to, like I say, you will reach a finish line and then try to figure out what's going to happen after that. So this is going to allow me to scratch that travel itch. It's going to allow me to spend more time with, with family while they're still around. I'm fortunate here in my late 30s to still have both parents and three grandparents all in my hometown in Indiana. So it's great that I have this opportunity to spend time with them. I think that's so important. Like there are some seasons in life that are short and they're not guaranteed. That's not guaranteed to be the same in 10 years. And I think a lot of people are in the same boat as you as, you know, you get into a job or a career that feels like a good fit. And then 
the workload changes or the responsibility changes or the bureaucracy changes. What was that like for you as far as kind of that professional journey to where you finally got to the point where you're like, actually, this isn't this isn't what I want anymore? It definitely does become difficult the further along you get into a career. Mm-hmm. Our listeners can't see it, but over my shoulder, I've got the banner of the Florida Floodplain Managers Association, which I'm the chair of. So I'm this uh, expert in my field of over a thousand members in the state of Florida and leading this organization, but feeling like maybe this isn't my true calling anymore. It's definitely been an internal struggle, but I do still have that same knowledge. Now with my time off, I've got the ability to actually tune into the committee calls and to our board meetings and actually be a little bit more involved with the association versus the day-to-day work that the local professionals are doing. So kind of trying to take that little focus and say, hey, I'm not a practitioner for this next 12 months or so, but I do still have that knowledge and experience. I used to work for the state as an expert. So having local experience and state experience, I've kind of got that couple different viewpoints and how it all comes together and works. In the state of Florida, they're getting a lot of new flood maps being released throughout the state, not just in, in the community I was working, but up and down the coast. And so I'll be able to provide a little more assistance than when I was just struggling through it myself in that local community. I think that's so important for a lot of people. You know, they've built up this base of knowledge. They've built up this expertise in a field. But the current nine to five job isn't a fantastic fit anymore. It's so possible if you step back from that job to find new ways to engage your expertise in a way that like you've crafted it to where it's enjoyable and it fits your lifestyle. And you still have that like, wow, I'm good at this and I'm serving a cause and like my expertise is valued, which is so important from, you know, from work that sometimes if we just walk away completely we can miss out on. Actually, one of the guests from the First Adventures to Fi retreat, I don't know if you met Amy, on a very similar path, kind of stepped away from like the main role, but she has a tremendous amount of expertise and knowledge in this very niche market that she can leverage uh, in a way that like actually fits like their lifestyle and their travel and all these other things. Yep. So I, w- I want to chat about the challenges. <laughs> Because especially doing something that's unique, that's out of the box, that's different from what all of your peers are doing, from maybe what your family of origin did, you know, kind of taking this different path and all the logistical challenges of doing something different. What were some of those for you? Well, so definitely one of the the major challenges or hurdles that I needed to overcome was knowing that, you know, in the in the fire movement, we we're all maxing out our FSAs and HSAs and Roth IRAs and uh, 457s, 401ks, all that money typically is kind of locked up. There's, It's not available to someone in your, in your 30s trying to take a year off. And so it's been a focus of mine over the past year or so to really put money away in that high-yield savings account, to put money away in a taxable brokerage so that I do have money available to me to actually use next week if I needed to pay a bill. Once these uh, final paychecks come, then that steady income stream is is turned off and I need to have other other places to pull from. Yeah, that's something I really encourage my coaching clients. Like if they're looking to build a more flexible lifestyle, I think we do talk so much about tax advantaged accounts, but having been on kind of the back end and helping people figure out their finances to make a life transition, there is an enormous 
I wouldn't say technical hurdle, but there's an enormous emotional hurdle to pulling money out of those tax advantaged accounts. I wrote a blog post once about a kind of the, the hierarchy of money that people spend in retirement. The first one being like cash. Uh, the second one being like rent payments and anything where like people pay you consistently. And then a brokerage account. Those things feel easier to spend versus, okay, I'm going to like go read my, my 401k. <laughs> yeah. It just, after you've been in the saving and investing world for a while, it feels like you're doing something wrong. Like you're breaking the rules, <laughs> even though that was the plan all along. And I think not even just when it comes to the retirement accounts, but I'm a natural saver. I'm going to be spending down that hoard of cash that I have. And, and that's going to be a little bit of a trick in my mind that I have to get over. I mean, that's, I think it's going to help that I, I do track my net worth. And so my retirement accounts are still there and probably growing over this next year, hopefully, you know, if markets do what they typically do. But my cash reserves and my taxable brokerage will be coming down. And so at least that it will still balance out, hopefully. And I would love to finish you know, a year from now or whenever the time comes that I, I do go back to some semblance of work, that my net worth will actually be higher because I've done the legwork and have those retirement accounts growing in the background. Yeah, you know, that's the great part about Coast Fire. Yeah, I always encourage people like a brokerage account is a fine investing vehicle. And it's actually tax-wise and income-wise, it's more advantaged than I think people realize in that pulling money out of your 401k is going to be tax-like standard income. So pulling money out of that brokerage, if you've held it for a year, you're going to get that capital gains rate, you know, probably about 15%. And I think through next year, actually, if your total income is less than 80,000, your capital gains rate is zero. Well, that's true for a couple. It's 40,000 as a single, but you're absolutely right. You know, that up to the top of that 12% tax bracket, your long-term capital gains rate is zero right now. So it's actually, it has some really great advantages, especially when you're combining that with your total income. So yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of brokerage accounts, which I think that sometimes, especially in the fire space, we don't talk about what a useful tool those are as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's challenge one. What else made this transition a little tricky or just created some hesitation? Because it's a great idea, but it's an easy idea to stay an idea and never transition into action. That's right. Well, the big one, of course, is health insurance. And really, that's something I haven't quite figured out yet. I worked until the first part of a new month, so I would have my employer cover another month of insurance for me. But starting in July, I will have to cover that on my own. So my plan is to go to the, you know, the Affordable Care Act marketplace. I live, I'm a resident of Florida, so I'll, I'll be using the Florida marketplace. And I've heard that's one of the better ones in, in the country. So I'll be looking at a, what my options are there. Yeah. But that's really tough coming from, uh, I worked in local government. Before that, I was with the state of Florida. There's a lot of really good health insurance coverage when you're working in government. This most recent job, we even had two free health clinics that we could go to. We got free generic medications. We could stop in and they would even allow us to take the time off, but put it as health center. And they would pay us up to 12 hours per year just to go check up on your health and do weigh-in competitions uh, every year. And there were prizes and lots of really cool stuff just to help keep the workforce healthy. Yeah. But I don't have that now. It can be so scary to walk away from 
those things we've been accustomed to? I would say one of your superpowers in this transition, I've known a lot of people who've made this transition either because they took my mini retirements course and I got to know them that way, or they were coaching clients, or they went to events, is the strength of your community. And we talked a little bit about this in your past episodes, but you're a person who's shows up and like engages in community so much. It's really difficult for people to do this transition when they don't have any, any friends, any contacts who've done anything like this. Like they're entirely like a little island because I don't know if you experience this, but oftentimes like our coworkers. <laughs> don't really get it. How How is your response to your coworkers? And then maybe compared it to all of the community that you've invested in and kind of the community response. Sure. So, you know, that's really fresh in my mind. I had my last day last Friday. And so saying <laughs> goodbye to a lot of folks was pretty difficult. Not that we were necessarily close, but trying to tell people that, hey, we work the same type of job, but I've got money in the bank and you're probably close to paycheck to paycheck. Um, was pretty tough. I got a lot of, oh, it must be nice. Like, I mean, yeah, but it's not something I just pulled the trigger on. It's something I've worked towards and put money away so that I could. Definitely having the examples in the fight community, in our friend group on Twitter, <laughs> uh, definitely has helped. I was actually just listening to a podcast an hour ago with uh, Diana Marion, who's the founder of the Economy Conference. She just quit her job in January. She's trying out self-employment, I'm just going to take a break for a little while. And then maybe maybe self-employment is is my next route. I don't know. It was always something I wanted to do, do like try out consulting. But when I had the golden handcuffs from that steady government paycheck and good government benefits, it was really tough to walk away from that to the unknown of self-employment. But maybe with this transition in between, that'll look like a little better uh, opportunity than, than going from one to the other. It's got this nice bridge in between. I think that's so important. Oftentimes people want to be self-employed, but there's this hesitation because they're not exactly sure what it would look like. They're not exactly sure how to get it started. They're so busy with their job. like They just don't have the time and bandwidth. And they think, well, I can't make a transition before I have this next thing all figured out. Like I need to jump from one thing to another. But the reality is sometimes you just need a break. You need some rest, you need some bandwidth, you need some creativity and some time in the middle to figure out what the next thing would be. I think that's an important transition that I wish as a culture, we would honor a little bit more. Kind of like, you know, the gap year in college, like, sometimes before you jump from like high school into like, figure out your entire career, like, know everything you're supposed to do, go to four years of college, like, you know, in Europe, it's a really common uh, phenomenon. I think it's becoming more so in the state. Like, it's okay to take a year. It's okay to explore and learn and grow as a person and then come back to what you want your next career to look like. But we really don't encourage that at all as a culture in middle age. You've done this huge phase one of your career. Give yourself some runway before you figure out phase two. If you think about it, there are certain examples of taking some time off mid-career, but it usually involves birthing a child or having the father be a stay-at-home parent for a few years until the children are back in school and then every, everybody goes back to work. 
I know the long-term implications of that, especially for the mother, are mm-hmm. big decreases in their lifetime earnings. Maybe that's something that's going to happen to me, but fortunately, I am past that coast fire step along the path. And so really, I only need to cover my living expenses from now until I reach whatever retirement date. The money should continue to grow in the background, as I said earlier, and I should be able to reach my retirement number safely with all things holding up the way they should. Yeah. I would love to hear about, because I feel other people are in the same spot of, you know, you spent the last year working remote and now we're in the season of employers being like, oh, phew, that's done. Okay, everyone, let's come back to the office now. How did that factor in for you? Or was that kind of a consideration? That was maybe just a happy accident. Um, we had not heard officially yet that they were bringing people back, but it was definitely the rumblings. And I had heard it from one one person that's more senior to me. So she had heard it through the official channels. But I don't know the deadline on all of that. But it definitely was a consideration for me because I was living an hour away from the office. And so that's a two-hour daily commute, an hour in the morning, usually a little bit more than an hour on the way home in the evening. And so freeing up the two hours a day was a huge time saver for me. And I definitely didn't want to go back to working eight, nine, 10 hours in the office plus two hours of driving a day. That's 12 hours. That's basically your whole day. Not something I was looking forward to going back to. And like I said, just kind of a happy accident that my timing was what it was. I saw a stat and it was kind of a small sample size. It was like a thousand people, but they said 40% said that if their employer said you have to come back to the office five days a week, they would consider quitting. And I feel like there's a strong undercurrent now that people have been home for a year. It's kind of like, I don't really, I don't want to go back a hundred percent. Like I don't want to just revert to what was before because having some of that flexibility for some people, they were a lot more productive at home. They freed up that long commute time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not super excited to rush back to the way things were. Yeah. And of course you've got all the interpersonal dynamics at work, both good and bad. You know, maybe your friends are there, but maybe it's just office gossip and it's such a distraction all the time with conversations or phone calls or whatever. And yeah, as a single person, it was so much more productive for me when I was working from home, log on, get my work done, log off, and I'm done. I don't have to deal with all that. I would have been one of the ones willing to quit if I was being required to go back. It just, it's not, uh, I want to say because for example, a, a little over a year ago, I asked if a remote was even a possibility for me. We were going to a, an online permitting system. Most of my work was going to be able to be done online. My boss said, we'll have to talk about it. We never talked about it until he handed me a laptop and said, go work from home. And so now it's like, we've proven that it can work. We've proven we're at least as productive, if not more productive. And you're going to say, nah, let's just forget the last year plus happened. Get back to work. Get back to your office. Go enjoy your spot in the cubicle farm. That's not for me. Yeah. So I'd love to hear your a weekend. What have you have planned for this next year? Well, I don't have a whole lot planned. I do have a few events on the schedule, and I'm going to fill in the gaps kind of uh, as I go with road trips and visiting national parks. I just got my national parks pass about a month ago. But I'm going to start off with a big trip to Colorado Springs for the Campfire Rocky Mountain in September the annual FinCon 
conference is going to be held in Austin. I don't think I'm actually going to FinCon itself, the actual conference. I've been a couple times and I never go to sessions unless it's a friend of mine that's speaking. And so I'm going to go and be in the area so that I can go and have those dinners and drinks and hang out and enjoy being with with my FinCon friends. And then, of course, the the last event that most of us went to before lockdown was the Economy Conference. That was in March of 2020, right before. Yep. <laughs> and the next one, it's been postponed once, but we should be all set to go in November at the University of Cincinnati. So the Economy Conference is coming up. Great lineup of speakers. Really looking forward to to that. That's awesome. Any kind of goals or intentions throughout this year? Like anything personal growth or kind of like reflection or learning that you're hoping by the end of the year, you're like, yeah, I, I made some progress there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the overarching goals are to de-stress and decompress, but a lot of that's going to look like just being more active. I'm not sitting at a desk nine, nine, 10 hours a day. I can get out already twice this week. I've played nine holes of golf before I normally would have even clocked in for the day. Um, I got out and walked four miles um, about an hour or so before this call. So. That's something you normally can't do in the middle of the day when you're working nine to five. So I'm looking forward to doing a lot more of that. Hiking those national parks I mentioned, just working on me because that's important. Yeah. Oftentimes that personal growth, that self-care, unfortunately takes a backseat to our profession and to our careers. And it's so helpful to carve out a little space, space for that. Well, thank you so much. I'm so excited for your year off. I'm so excited to see what transpires, especially after having some of these conversations and like reconnecting with people who finish their many retirements. It's amazing to see what happens on the other side. Uh, it's always a little unexpected. <laughs> uh, there's always some twists and turns, but so much growth. So I hope you have an amazing year off. Thank you so much. I hope this conversation has been an encouragement as you listen to Josh on the precipice of this next adventure and the reality that you don't have to be perfect to make progress. You just have to be a little bit more courageous every day and adventure awaits. <laughs>